I think the last time I saw you was like like six pink dots ago or something like that. Yeah, six pink dots ago, yeah. Six pink dots ago. Yeah, a very long time ago. I, I no longer uh, participate in pink dot anymore because I, I think it's uh, beyond me. Uh, I mean, it's gotten really, really big. Uh, and so, like, you know, there are many, many reasons to not want to support it. But, but I, th- I think it's still very important in terms of outreach because the base level of awareness for LGBTQ discrimination is still very low. Yeah. A lot of people just still don't know. In my opinion, it still has a use for, you know, spreading awareness. Uh. Yeah, but it's uh, probably outgrown me because uh, when I first uh, supported it and things like that, um, mm. it was still kind of in the fringes, but now it's got, got a bit mainstream. Yep. So I think that's a lot of visibility. So I think it's time to say, okay, uh, let me just focus on my career, on my self-preservation and, and getting myself better in terms of all my personal goals and, and, and aspirations. Yeah. yeah, that's very important, right? Like, you have to be alive for the... <laughs> to yeah. make Pink Dot, like, worth it, right? Like, you have to be thriving. Yeah. We all aim yeah, to yeah, a society yeah. where everyone is thriving. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah man, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy that you seem to be doing very well in your work, which which I'm personally very happy. <laughs> yeah, um, I was doing my, my post-grad ซาทิสแฟคชั่นเนี่ยซาทิสแฟคชั่นเนี่ยซาทิสแฟคชั่นเนี่ยซาทิสแฟคชั่นเนี่ยซาทิสแฟคชั่นเนี่ยซาทิ
defer to, to their opinions and their, mm. their rules. But right now, since um, we're, we're all adults here, so um, I'm earning my own money, my own career, so I, I think they're, they're just they're willing to just let it survive. How about your brother? Like, what does he think about uh, you and all this? I think uh, my my brother tolerates me. <laughs> um, <laughs> many of my um, many of my relatives are on my Facebook actually, and I sometimes when I'm really bored, I still do post my opinions, right. and I'm pretty sure they read it. <laughs> they, they they read those opinions, but right. they they just like ah, yeah whatever. <laughs> Right. Yeah, many of my relatives are on my social media account, so I think they, they choose to <laughs> the other way. Do you, do you open I'm your not, stories to uh, see who has read your stories? On Instagram, um, Instagram is quite um, it's it's quite uh private. Um, it's pe- usually people I know, but uh, of course there are like a few that have slipped the the filters. So I I tend to watch what I say because I think. For listeners who, who might recognize my voice, they should know that I've gotten into trouble many times. So <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'll, I'll fix it in post. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's also the main place where um why why I have maybe cooled down on my firebrand views. Right. I think I think it's probably not worth it. Yeah. Change might not happen during my lifetime. It might happen maybe during my nephew and niece's lifetime, but but right. certainly not during my yeah. Man, um, do you get like any, you know, like words of advice from like well-wishing people about posting your opinions against religion? Because when I was talking to my friends about trying to make this episode, right, people were like, oh no, you should be careful about anything that might encourage people to leave, particularly Islam, because it has some special protections under Singapore law. Yeah, I I do understand this. In, in my line of work, I actually work with uh, people. I'm not going to say why exactly I work as, but I work with people who who really do, some of them do really depend on religion as a source of comfort. Yeah. And um, I am actually the first person who will actually support all these people uh, with their religious needs. Uh. So yeah. um, I read passages from the South for them. I like uh, incense sticks for them. Right, uh, I'll right. put for them. For those who can't do it, so I just spread it out myself. Yeah. Especially for my Muslim clients, technically I'm still Muslim. <laughs> um, I come from a Muslim background, uh, so yeah. I'm still very well versed with the prayers, with all the things that they that they need to do in order to practice as Muslims. So I will, I'm, I'm more than happy to help because I do recognize that for many people, religion is a sort of comfort, it's a sort of truth for them. As long as they they give them comfort to mm. to fight through their, their problems, their their illnesses. Do you really? And I'm more than willing to help. Yeah. Actually, it's quite a good thing that you're doing now because I think for some people whose egos might get in the way, they might not be able to cross that barrier and then like that might get, you know, that comes at the detriment of like the people that they are serving, right? Which is, um, (laughs) I think that people would rightfully like kind of like look down on that and it would suggest that they go do something else. But, but like, how do you feel when you actually like like do the prayer? Are, are you like you know looking at your your clients and like watching their facial expressions, or do you feel like some sort of satisfaction from the inside? Um. Well, it um when when I help them do those things, I know that they feel comforted, so I am happy. While I don't believe, for, for maybe for listeners, I I identify as atheist. I I don't believe in any 
higher power. Yep. But I do recognize that for, for all these people, when they are doing the rituals, they, they seek comfort in it. And when they feel at ease and when they're comforted by doing all these rituals that they've been doing for decades, yep. I think it leaves me with some form of satisfaction. Like, hey, I did something today. Yeah, wow. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to, to continue, even though I don't necessarily believe in whatever they believe in. Let's shift the focus back on you for just a second. Yes. So like, was there a time in your life where like you felt that prayer made you feel better and you were kind of convinced that, you know, there was a higher power helping you uh, in your life? Yikes. Um, actually, no. Um, I've never felt like prayer actually helped. This spiral down to apostasy happened really, that was really young actually. I started questioning the religion really young. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that um, it was I was about seven or eight years old when it was during uh Hari Rai Haji. I actually asked my parents like, "Hey, why why does God demand blood sacrifice? Why are we killing sheep? Mm. Are they gonna are, are they gonna offer these sheep? Are they gonna die in heaven? Are, are, are they are, are their souls going to heaven immediately? Why is there so much blood? Is God a cruel God if He demands blood sacrifice? I mean." My parents told me to, to, to shut up because <laughs> they, they couldn't answer such questions from a really curious young. I think that that was the realization that I had. I've been questioning a lot about organized religion. Uh, and I, as, I, as, as I grew older, I read up more about this thing, this blood sacrifice thing. It's, it's a recurring theme within Abrahamic religions. Yep, yep. So I was thinking, doesn't sit, doesn't quite sit right for me. <laughs> like in Christianity, you still, you still have the, the blood sacrifice, the Lamb of God sacrificing itself for, for humanity and for the Jews. You have the, the, the Jews who also have their ritual sacrifices during the, the first two temples, uh, that, that whole bar thing, which is actually also an Islamic concept. So right. I want to know who called who. It's just a rebranding, right? It's like an OEM ritual. Then like people just slap on their own flavor onto it. Yeah, 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 their own flavors to it. So I'm, I'm just like thinking it's something very foreign to me. It's something I don't quite agree with. So mm-hmm. yeah, I started questioning very early on. Um, the other one where I started questioning was also because as with other Abrahamic religions, there's this sense of supremacy in, in all the, the Abrahamic religions, right? So yep, yep. it's like, our religion is the best, it's the correct one. All other religions are wrong. So it's I'm, the only correct it's one. the only correct one. Yeah. My, my, my version of the religion is correct. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be actually asking, like, why? Why? <laughs> mm. I didn't get any answers for it because I, like, coming back to uh, a question that, uh, that they're supposed to be asking me is, like, what was the role of religion in, in my life when I was growing up? My family was, we, we were very invested in the religion, actually. Yeah. I, I, I got my religious instruction very early. Yeah. I'm one of the most well-versed ones in the extended family, actually. So, like, of Quran, I, I, I completed chanting it, like, three times. <laughs> wow. How long does it take? Without understanding it. Uh, one year, so in, in those three years when I was young in primary school, wow. yeah, I completed it in so without understanding what exactly is happening. Mm. So you know, on the end of the internet, and then you start reading it, then you're like, oh, so this is what it means. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, um, all the prayers I do know, I, I could read. Until today, actually, uh, whenever I meet my, my, my standard family, yeah. like during, during fasting month, obviously I don't fast, but yeah. I pretend to. 
I, I sometimes don't outwardly say that I'm fasting, but I so, sometimes do come down for, for the breakfast dinners. Right, so right. I still need to lead the, the prayers yeah. for, for the entire family. So I'm like, okay, it's, it's still serious that. So it's, yeah, I'm a cultural Muslim. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. a don't ask, don't tell, you know. It's like... Yeah, it's a, it's a don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> Okay, so I think we talked about a bit about your belief in God himself and also like your your skepticism with all the like the practices, right? But like what do you feel about like the kind of morality that Islam preaches? Like is it compatible with the life that you're trying to lead? Or like No. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry, you can you can continue your your, your question. <laughs> no, no, I was I was just saying like I was gonna ask like um like how much of your Willingness to do good is influenced from the kind of good that Islam preachers to uh, want to do. Um, I well, I do. Okay, there are some takeaways from the religious upbringing I've had, um, mm. which is do good to others, don't lie, don't steal, don't gamble, don't cheat. <laughs> so mm-hmm. all these things has to do. Until today, I I I haven't gambled before. Okay, I, I, Perhaps I did it once. I tried buying the good pitch. <laughs> yeah, I tried buying the pitch once. I, I didn't get anything, so I was like, no, I, I'm not going to do this. Okay. Yeah, I don't gamble. Um, I do drink. I do eat pork. <laughs> I love pork a lot. Mm. But of course, that there also lies the, my, some ethical issues where all of um, that I have developed on my own, yep. which is uh, kindness towards animals. So, um, yep. Sometimes I, I do feel a bit of a guilt when I'm eating meat. So that is that that's a little challenge that I'll be uh, I'll be working on as I go older. Actually, eventually maybe I I want to be vegetarian and so I can stop eating pork or start eating stop stop eating chicken and fish. So that that's a story altogether. Um, the other thing is about doing good to others. I do see it has worked off on me a lot. So I still. Perhaps still have the, the fundamentals in me, but of course I do read a lot. So I also found out that some of the what I was taught yep. doesn't quite gel in with uh, the Islamist interpretations or, or even the, the the wider like the Malay Muslims or even the just regular uh, Muslim outlook towards people who don't share the same thing. And number one, I was I was actually raised to hate Shia Muslims. Oh. Okay, so I, I I was raised with this fear that hey, Shia Muslims are not Muslims. They are devil worshippers. They are followers of the Jews, the Zionists. Uh, can you explain for the benefits of the listeners, right? What a Shiite Muslim yeah. is, and also I want to ask where in Singapore would you find them? Okay, so like in Christianity, with its uh, many denominations, yeah. um, Islam has two main ones. The first one would be the Sunni Muslims, yep. which is the majority of the Singaporeans. Uh, among Malays in the world, the Bisuni Muslims, following Shafi'i, Mazhab Matami, leading the school, uh, yeah, the, the school of thought, yeah, correct, yeah, school of thought, I can't, I can't say the denomination. It, it's the, the majority uh, around the world as well, and yep. Shia Muslims are, are probably about 20% of the entire world's population. In the entire uh, so called Muslim world, most people are Sunni Muslims of different schools of thought. Yep. And for Shia Muslims, they are also fearing various schools of thought as well. So there are two main Shia Muslim countries in, in the world, yep. the Iran. Yep, which you went to? 
Yes, we have had the, the privilege of visiting before or before COVID, COVID began and in Azerbaijan. But even though uh, Azerbaijan is a Shia country, but it's nominally Shia because it's a post-Soviet country. So, you know, you, you, you can understand that most post-Soviet nations are all very secular uh-huh. in the sort. So, in Singapore, Shia Muslims are divided into two factions, actually. So, the first one would be the Ismaili Muslims. Uh, the Daudi Boras. The Daudi Boras are the Gujarati and Indians. Oh. Uh, they usually merchants, usually upper middle class. If you see those ladies, there's this, this pretty ladies wearing the, those colorful lace tudongs or something like that. Like Malays call it tudong, but uh, the Daudi Boras call it the Rida. You, you, you'll see when you see it, it, it they're usually Indian mm. and they will wear this colorful hijabs called Rida. Yep. So they, those are Ismaili Muslims. They have their own little mosque in City Hall. So that's for the Ismailis. So the majority of the Shia Muslims in Singapore are ethnic Malay. Yep. Uh, they belong to the Jafari branch. So they have their own little meeting halls because uh, these meeting halls are not mosques. Uh, so it's it's really a little bit of a fringe community. Are they recognized by Muis? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> whenever I'm bored, I, I actually do advocate for these people because they don't have a mosque of their own. Mm. Even though they are still considered Muslim, they still do pay the... Uh, MBMF, the most moving fund, um, deducted from the salaries every month. So I think most you should actually try to consider maybe just build a mosque to, to serve him. Because recently, um, former MP Ambin Amin, he actually, uh, <laughs> he, yeah, I, I think you followed it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a, he talked about it, he broke fast with, with members of the Jitaharishia the, the Muslim community. So there were a few people saying that, hey, they had a mosque, but then they had a mosque, they had their own mosque. I'm like, no, that's not a mosque. That's a meeting hall. Meeting hall is different because that's where they actually do their, their Ashura or their Arbani ceremonies. So they will actually have to do their... Because for Shia Muslims, their, their theology is very different from Sunni Muslims. Yep. They really believe in things that are... Personally, I, I, I feel quite strange. <laughs> okay. um, but they do you, of course. Um, so during certain days, they do mourning, lot of wailing, crying, etc. Encouraged in that denomination, so those are meeting halls. They don't have an actual mosque, so it's a very different thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, so those are the differences. Um, but uh, Shia Muslims actually believe in, especially for Jafari Shia Muslims, they actually believe in the infallibility of uh, the Imam. So they have structure is very similar to the Roman Catholic or the Orthodox Church. So they have someone like a pope, and then they have their deacons and their bishops. But in Sunni Islam, you don't have such things. Okay. So for Sunni Islam, it's very iconoclastic. Uh, representations of movies, animals, is frowned upon, discouraged even. Um, but for Shia Muslims, um, drawings of, of such things are actually quite okay to them. So when I when I visited Iran, I was actually quite surprised. Some of the mosques actually have like murals. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think yes, many people yes. would know that it's forbidden to, you know, like illustrate the in Prophet Muhammad. Yes. Like that. But it's kind of funny, you can't actually. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite, it's quite okay in Iran, actually. They even make some movies about it. So I, mm. I visited like the life and times of the Prophet. So I think that was quite, yeah, that's quite fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's a very fascinating form oh. of Islam. No. So yeah, quite invested about it. I read, I, I find out a lot about it. And I'm in, if need be, I would want to advocate for, for freedom of religion for them. I think yep. Muiz should actually maybe give them some funds, provide, provide some allocation for them to have their own little mosque. Mm. It's, I think, I think that's the least thing actually. 
Uh, but but you were taught to hate them, right? Yes, I was taught to hate them. So I was like, I hear a million like, you know, people were. Mm. I was I was taught to hate Shia Muslims. I was taught to hate Jews, like 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 um like the the, the current um Palestine Israel conflict. It's no longer a Zionist apartheid state conflict anymore because it's it's something ingrained in in the Muslim conscience. Mm. You hate the Jews because it's being taught to you since young. That's that's the reason why actually I try to distance myself uh, during the, the recent clashes. Um, being triggered, lah, basically. Yeah. So we will see some comments in, in Malay, which I understand obviously. People will like keep on they keep on uh, quoting the hadith, saying that they will find every Jew behind every date palm tree or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's an ingrained sense of being in a consciousness. Mm-hmm. So you are told to hate somebody you don't know. I found that indoctrination kind of strange from this I grew older actually. How do you hate uh, people who are not subscribing to your form of the religion just because? Like why do you hate people and then you call them infidels and kafir, kafir like that and like why? Yeah, you know, most Singaporean Malays have not personally communicated with like any Jew, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, it's it, but it's in the cultural consciousness. Like, uh, in, in Malaysia, for example, if they say um, it's it becomes a it becomes a meme or some popular culture reference. If if like some if like a shop charges too high, wow, this shop owner is a Jew. Something, you know, that hardly a So it's like. So there's this ingrained sense of hatred towards towards people. So as I read closely and, and I found out more, then 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 I actually reconciled with my uh, indoctrination. I, I want to call it indoctrination. Indoctrination uh, during my religious upbringing as a as a young child. Um, it was a lot of this hatred inside, like um, and triumph of Islam over Jews, like. Like how the Prophet Muhammad actually um, conquered Medina, uh, which yep. was called Yathrib uh, in the past, and, and how they were Jews who didn't want to convert or didn't want to pledge allegiance to him, the, the, the Bayah. So he actually had to massacre them, the, the Haibar massacres where he killed everyone, he killed yep. soul, so the rest of the slavery. And like, why? So, so all these questions actually came to me, uh, like, is this even a religion of peace or is it a religion of war and then? And is it a religion of war and dominance? So those those are the things I do. It feels like some people are like using that that political conflict and like LARPing and disguising it as a, some sort of ideological or religious victory. Yeah, something like that actually. Um yeah. But of course victors are always the people uh writing history books. I mean, if you look at uh <laughs> if, if you look at Jerusalem right now. The jewel of Jerusalem is actually the dome, the rock. Yep. So I do know that evangelical Christians and of course the the third temple movement, like the fringe uh, Orthodox Jews, they, they want to rebuild their third temple there. I kind of disagree because I mean the victors were usually were the Umayyads uh, who conquered Jerusalem. So I think they built such a beautiful edifice. So I think this will be yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. But but of course I do feel for I do feel for the Jewish people. So I, I mean. Two wrongs to make right, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I've also read more about like the injustices and the and the discrimination by Israeli settlers as well. So I'm on the fence right now. I'm no longer like entertaining Muslim wrong Jews are okay, but now it's both sides. It, it
it's actually okay on the ground, but yeah, it's just politics and you know, there's this simmering of discontent everywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, because of, you know, the U.S.'s, like, very close relationship to Israel, it's the conflict that gets, you know, the most media coverage of where, you know, yeah. but actually, you know, all over the world, there's, um, on, on a much larger scale, like, oppression and killing of, like, uh, other Muslims also. La. So I hope that, you know, not just Muslims, but everyone can go and, like, read up and educate yourself about, you know, the people in Yemen and, you know, the people in East Turkestan. Oh, it's okay. It's uh, we're going to <laughs> we're going to uh, touchy territory already because I have a lot of things to say about, about all these places. But yeah, I yeah, I'm, I'm still yeah, I'm quite on. I'm still quite on the fence about East Pakistan, Xinjiang, um, about about in in, in Yemen as well. Um, if you wanna know more about like Yemen, it used to be a Jewish kingdom. Um, and right now they are the native Jews in the country are not being bullied by by the Houthis. So and you can actually see that um this anti-Zionism thing is also very linked to historical anti-Semitism by Muslims. So these are the things that I was raised in, you know. So I as I as I grew older I started question like why do we need to hate so much just to practice uh, our religion? So this I, I this is a disclaimer to, to everyone, this is what I feel. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you guys what to think, but this is what I think. <laughs> so like, you are basically like a total outlier in, as an ex-member of the Muslim community, right? So like, how do you find your fellow states and like, do you all agree with each other on many issues or like, do you all have like a community or something like that? Yeah, we used to, um, I used to be part of this little community called Apple States in Malaysia and Singapore. I, we've got, I've gotten talks so many times, um, we've gotten death threats, uh, I've gotten death threats, I've gotten, I've gotten people hunting me down, um, uh, because I was a bit too opinionated about, uh, the things that matter to me, so to speak. Um, but of course it's a community of many people with different aspirations, with different personalities, so of course, there will be people who just want to leave the religion and be done with it. Some of them still have this burning hatred towards the religion. I used to be like that. This is that was like this burning hatred. Like when was I taught to hate? Now I hate you guys and this kind of thing. But mm. but as I as I grow older, I'm, I'm in my mid mid thirties already, so I'm like it's okay. Mm. Like I don't need to stoop to your level of hating people. So I'm like yeah, you do you. But I think once I go. Reach, reach that stage where I, I really don't care actually like you want to practice your religion if you want to you want to discriminate against other people do other things uh, you can do that I will definitely speak for the people who are being oppressed but of course I won't go all out to like create a this discord like you think for yourself do what you think is okay but of course I will actually just speak up for, for the people who are being oppressed lah. Mm. but of course <laughs> I still do have my opinions <laughs> and, and I won't be afraid to actually just share opinions out loud, but yeah. yeah. Just now when you said death threats, right? Like, I, I'm thinking some people would be like, whoa, my goodness, like death threats, like what's going on here? But then like, like because I, I know that you went through that thing, like, I didn't even flinch. And like, it's a thing that happens to a lot of ex-Muslims. Here. Ex-Muslims were very vocal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. But it, it still happens. Uh, it still happens. But I think it's gotten a little bit better now. Yeah, I, I think it's... Maybe I'm not experiencing it because I'm no longer very invested in the whole movement thing but I can see that I think it's also social conditioning in Singapore as well because Singapore is it's a secular country so you are free to choose your religion as well yeah. even though the, the main CMI own definition of Malay is to be Muslim which is an 
echoing ba Malaysia things on Malays. Mm. But yeah, nowadays people do get offended, uh, of course. But I think people are just more worried about putting food on their table. And right now, everyone everyone's just worried about COVID nineteen. So I think we many don't have the liberty or even the the energy to even talk about these things like that. About all, all these things, lah. Just the, the most pressing things that matter would be like, can we put food on our on our table? Mm, yeah, I think so. So I think it's gotten gotten a bit better. Mm. Um, previously there there used to be a few Facebook groups and a few Facebook pages talking about apostasy, about how Malays can leave the religion, things like that. But I noticed that they've been quite quiet in the past few months because I think everyone's just busy. Mm. Do you think that there is any sort of trend with regards to the number of people leaving Islam? Like, is it going up or is it going down based on what you've noticed? Um, I, I don't know. I think I think people are just uh, in Singapore at least. I think just people are just being very secular or just doing the live and let live manner. Mm. I do notice that people on, uh, on Twitter, you can still see like one sibling is very religious the other one is kind of like one foot out the door but they're yeah. still okay with one another if you, if you notice so I think, I think i think that's quite quite fascinating actually so it's it's a very live and let live kind of culture in singapore so you you do you as long yeah. as you don't disturb somebody else's faith practices or, or, or what you believe in i think you will generally be left alone mm. the internet while i do still have remnants of my firebrand past on the internet lurking somewhere, I think most people might have forgotten about mm-hmm. me. So I think you will just keep it as that, and you do you, I do me. <laughs> just now you talk about you eating pork, right? Why is it that people are so fixated on criticizing this don't eat pork thing? Amongst all the other greater sins that you could be doing as a Muslim. I, I really don't know because um here's the thing uh, I, what I found very fascinating after reading a lot of research journals and watching a lot of those mean videos right it's it's a very common theme among Jews and uh, Muslims especially uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do whatever they want to do they can do they can have premarital sex they can have children out of wedlock they can uh, do drugs they can smoke yeah. they can do all the things imaginable but when it comes to pork right they will refuse to eat pork and you can see some studies in in, in modern day israel especially right yep. even for the most secular of jews they will still eschew pork they, they will still refuse to eat pork even though they don't celebrate the high holy days they don't even observe the sabbath they still will not eat pork and it's the same thing uh in in, in muslimish societies as well especially for those cultural muslims so they will drink, they will have premarital sex, they they, they might have uh, homosexual lifestyles. Um, but when it comes to pork, it's just something, it's just a, a very, very big taboo against it, which is actually, which I actually find quite fascinating. I do, I do turn it into a joke sometimes, yep. <laughs> to be offensive, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's something very offensive. It's like, like pork is such a dirty, dirty meat to, to, to eat. I personally don't like that it's turned out this way because like uh, it's kind of at least for like you know the majority non-Muslim Chinese right like it's turned like the entire Islam value system into this like very shallow stereotype right it's like oh uh, they don't yeah, eat, it's very they, shallow stereotype they don't eat they don't eat pork 
everyone has like you know that like one Muslim friend who is like you know they call it the part time Muslim right they like, the one that yeah, comes drink up drink smoke and everything but but pork no cannot. No, pork totally no, and then they need to have a halal certification. I'm like, weren't you at the club last week? <laughs> <laughs> you were the you were the you were the shit face one, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it's just a taboo that um people might not want to cross. Yeah. Of course, I do know some cultural Muslims who still who do eat uh who do eat the meat um who don't really bother. But at the end of the day, they still ident- they still identify as Muslims. Yeah. So I think um Islamic belief among among Muslims, basically Muslims in Singapore, it's it's on the spectrum actually. It's on like the very from the very religious to the to those like me who like how does it feel? But we are still bound to the community through family uh, family connections la. So yeah. Okay. We're still I'm um, still a part of it. Um, it, that's the reason why I I am still really quite on the fence if I because I in, in the past I would have said said loudly that I want to renounce the religion I would have to go to movies I need to go to I need to do um I'll go for a what, what's that thing you need to go to the Supreme Court and do a deep not not a deep poll but it's the other one the statutory declaration to renounce the religion. I'm still I'm still on the fence about it because if I were to do that it uh, the the repercussions would be actually very severe for uh for my entire family my, my entire family might find out they they might get very disappointed because i'm actually quite one of the one of the favorite grandchildren so right, right. yeah I, I the risk of disappointing and saddening my my extended family members is that actually the main reason why i am still holding off perhaps i might want to wait until my elders pass on before i actually uh fully renounce the religion mm. do you think there are many people yeah. like you of course they are. Of course they are. I do, I do know that there, there are people who, who, who practice the religion or nominally practice the religion because they know that they're born into it. They can't, they can't escape. Like the Hotel California thing. So I think they got used to it. They, they marry spouses who also don't have like varying degrees of belief. So it's they, they, they just learn to, to, to live with it. So I mean, this is our fate. I was born a, into a Muslim family. So like many others as well so i think we'll just make do with it for me i, I want to go step a step further by actually removing myself but let's be serious now i'm still part of the malay community i will i still speak the language um i i, I will still need to face clients who are who come from the same background and and, and if they need some support or uh, religious support and all that i i i'll still do it just uh in order to, to give some comfort for them so i think yeah, that, that's the little that dilemma that I'm facing right now. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think there's a question that you asked, like, any social backlash expected might actually happen, things like that. I think it's disappointment. Disappointment from people I truly care for, I think that's the main reason where I actually need to take a chill bill like that. I, I don't go on a, on, on a war path and, and do mm. some things. Of course, there's some other people who have totally cut connections and, and things like that uh, on the total war path. Like, I have a few friends. They've married um they they've married non-Muslim men and they are raising the kids as free thinkers to, to allow them to, to choose which religion they, they want to. But yeah, I it, it's a very complex issue actually. I, I I'm I'm actually quite surprised that nobody has actually written a, a, a sociology thesis about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like that they would be able to maintain their studentship or tenure in Singapore. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite touchy, but yeah. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, but, but of course, there are hundreds or even thousands of, of people just like me. So for me, I'm, I'm caught in a limbo because of respect for my family. Mm. Some people are, are stuck in a situation where they're still being forced, forced to practice the religion even though they really do not believe in it. Some people have made peace with the fact that, hey, yes, I'm, I'm really born into it. I've married someone from the same religious background, so I can just learn to live, live with it. Yeah, so um, I just want to do a little parting thing so for anybody who's listening. So um, if you're in the same kind of conundrum or predicament as me or some in a similar background, I, I think you do you. The best thing right now is actually to work hard, be financially independent. Mm-hmm. So if it comes to the point where you cannot take it, uh, take being indoctrinated or being forced against your will to practice a religion you no longer believe in, be financially independent first, okay? And then if you need to move out, you will have to move out. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's a little takeaway. With yeah, financial independence, you can really do a lot of things, yeah. Alright, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on our social media, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at BTHPodSG or at BTHPodcastSG. Look for our dark blue logo. Links are all in the show notes. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if your app allows, set it to auto-download so you can get the latest episodes sent to your device the moment they are out. So today we had Sam uh, talking about his experiences in the religion of Islam and also living it. Right, so thanks Sam for coming on to the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Right, okay, bye. Bye.